0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to the Seasons 1 Recap, Putting Demons to Rest. For this bonus episode, we're talking about our favorite episodes from Seasons 1 of Buffy and Doctor Who.
0: We'll also be taking a look at some of the broader themes and character development over the course of this first season for each show. We recommend that you finish watching the full Season 1 of each show before listening to this episode.
1: So... A very special episode, Cat and Kurt's <laughs> TV review. Yes, it's so, you. Sound
0: it. You say that as though you know someone has died, and perhaps we need to remember them. Yeah. Um, but well, in a way,
1: well, someone has. <laughs> yeah, in a way,
0: that's true. But we're not talking about that yet. We're talking, no, we're
1: gonna we're gonna save the that the eulogy section of the show for a little bit later. So we're gonna start with Buffy. Um, I guess. um, Well, actually, actually,
0: we are talking about someone who died.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, because, well, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to.
1: Well, okay. So um, what we kind of wanted to do um, for part of this, uh, you know, we're going to try to give some broad discussion of the seasonal arcs and everything. Um, But one thing we definitely wanted to do and um, where we're going to start is maybe just talk about Um, favorite episodes of the season, and what was it about it that really um, stood out to you, or um, what encapsulated something of what the story is about, or, you know, whatever. For some reason, you know, these are the episodes that we were really impressed by. Um, So, um, some of this, I mean, I know I said a lot of this in my discussion of the episode, but I, I think... There were there were a few different ways I could have gone with this, but I think I'm going to have to go for Buffy with Prophecy Girl, um, with the finale episode. And I think, again, like, and I know I've said this a million times in the discussion, but it really... I was just really struck by the tone of that episode and mm-hmm. um, and how sort of different and unexpected it felt to the rest of the season. Like, it still had the action and the humor and um, the positivity and all the character and all the really um, fun aspects of the show. But it also just felt um, very different to me. Like, this, this subject matter was a lot... It, it had been dark before. Like, there were like definitely, I think, the darkest episode of the season is the pack, you know, in terms of disturbing and unsettling. Yeah. But this one felt, you know, just sort of melancholy and sad. And, you yeah. know, so so much of what it felt like in the atmosphere had to do with, um, you know, the experience of Buffy's confronting the master and her sort of death and rebirth. Um, and then I think too, just how personal it felt, you know, especially for Buffy and Willow, it suddenly felt, and Xander too, in a way, um. It definitely felt like all of the sudden, you know, the stakes became... They had been sort of life and death before, the stakes, Feel yes. <laughs> like that. Yes, yes, yeah. um, They had been life or death before, but mostly for, you know, random students and for Flutie, you know, or maybe a threat of... Um, consequences to the main characters but not as personal and close to home as it was in this one right Um, well and
0: i think i think part of that sorry just to jump in real quick i think part of that is the is going from the possibility of death to the fact of it
1: reality of it it. yeah
0: Yeah. the reality of it this it's no longer i'm the slayer and i live a dangerous life and something at some point might kill me um it It becomes no, you will die, and this is when you will die and and you don 't know exactly the manner of your death, but it it is going to happen, and not vaguely some point in the future it 's going to happen in a few days when you go up against the master yeah. and i you know I think it 's that specificity of it um and yeah. I was also going to say and interesting that you pointed out Xander too, because i I think there's a very similar thing going on there um with his relationship right to buffy like he he comes um you know to her to to ask her out and do the you know this is this is me laying my soul bare and get shot down right so in in a way it's obviously on a very different level than buffy dealing with her own mortality but it's him dealing with his feelings for her and realizing wait while i was safe before and you know there was always sort of a, you know, maybe she likes me, maybe she doesn't aspect to it, you know, mm-hmm. as long as he was sort of playing around with it in his own mind. But, you know, when he brings it out, I mean, she slays that emotion mm-hmm. that he's feeling for her, too. So I I do think um, and, and we get his very, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the awkward sort of uh, rejection um, snapback that he gives. And it's like, you know, oh. Sorry, I'm just not good at handling rejection, you know, yeah. or, and all of that. But um, anyway, so I think I, I think you're right. I think there is definitely a parallel there between them, and even yeah, though, and, 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 it's and it's it or, or an echo. Anyway, I don't want to say parallel, like because I'm obviously like knowing that you're going to die and being rejected. You know, asking a girl out, although it could perhaps feel that way to a teenage boy. Yeah. Um, you know, they are two very different things, but it it's.
1: Well, and it just feels like up until, like, the moment that Buffy comes back, it just felt like the tone of the episode is is all disappointment. And, it, like, going, you know, everything yeah. trending downward to yeah. an inevitably bad ending. You know, right. which is quite different from the tone of the rest of the season. You know, like, and we talked about this, too, like, the fact that it could have been just the only season they ever did like they weren't guaranteed of a renewal. So so the idea that you know it it doesn't feel like we're inevitably going to come out of this okay and happy. It feels like there's the very real potential and is the confirmation of real loss and real consequences and everything.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's true. And I think you're right the the idea that um we did talk about, and you know, before that, you know, all of the episodes here were written and, and produced and filmed and whatever before the season actually started airing had had a um, effect on that. And and definitely, you wanted to kind of bring right, you want to you got you want to kind of bring to the lowest point <laughs> the characters before you kind of bring them back and and show that they do indeed win. But, um,
1: I, yeah, I think, and then even at the end you know even though it is um in some ways a triumph or in every way a triumphant ending it doesn't even necessarily feel that way like afterwards yeah. they are very subdued still and buffy is sort of still processing these emotions that she doesn't really talk about and you know it's kind of like let's go party but she's also like crying you know like so you're even in the moment of triumph it feels like that was a traumatic thing that we just went through. Um, yeah.
0: And, and there's, I mean, and there's changes that have occurred. There's, there's things that can't be brought back. And so in a way it's not, and, and I don't mean, you know, just her, obviously she has a literal death, but there's also a sort of a metaphorical death there, right? There's a loss of innocence. There's a, there's a loss of, um, you can't, you, you know, she can't be that person that she was in the first episode yeah. Where she wants to just deny being the Slayer and go about being a teenager and doing all the things, you know, uh, all of the things that she says she wants to do, like, you know, worry about the clothes that she's going to wear and her hairstyle and is she going to fit in and make friends? All that stuff that she tells Giles in the first episode. She, like, there's, you can't even, that's not even a question anymore. Like, that's not even part of who she is anymore. And yeah. I know we, I know we want to kind of get into that. Um, character arc with her and, and, and the other, some of the other characters. But um, I think that's, that's part of the tone that, that maybe you're picking up there. And I, and I think you're absolutely right in that, that, that it's, again, it is a death. It is, there's some, even though she comes back, there's something that's still down in the hell mouth, you know, down in that puddle that she lands face first in that, that gets left behind um, as part of that. So, yeah.
1: so I liked it. I mean, I was really happy that it ended on um what for me was the high point of the season, you know, or or one of them. You know, I think it def- definitely went out on um a really strong uh note.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, well, and I congrats I to
1: to Joss and to the actors and everything. You know, I think that was a really good way to wrap up the season. Yeah.
0: No, I I would agree. I mean, I think I think it's a great way to end the season, but I'm actually going to choose for my favorite mm. episode of Buffy a different one. Um and and I mean, it's hard because I think I think it's hard to deny that Prophecy Girl is certainly one of the best episodes of the season, mm. but I will I will go ahead and choose as my favorite um the episode Nightmares, uh which is the one with little Billy who's in a coma causing uh You know, folks to see their nightmares. Um,
1: And I said I could have gone a different, a couple different ways. And this is the other, one of the other ways I could have gone. Yeah. Definitely this, I'm, I'm with you on this one.
0: Yeah. I think there's, there's really a lot in here. And, and sort of the, the thing that comes back to me is one, I just think it's a really well rounded, well written episode. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it, it, it really, um, well, one it it sort of has that darkness, and we talked about um, that. Uh, Bruce Seth Green, who directed this, also directed the Pack, which I knew, which you've said is one of the other, you, you know, which you think is the darkest, <laughs> or, or,
1: I think uh, that's the 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 most disturbing. Most disturbing. But I think yeah. but I think nightmares might be the scariest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So definitely get there, and then David Greenwald, who uh, we talked about, uh, who wrote it, and and Whedon, who created the story um of course so it's it has those strong hints and i think um and and maybe where maybe part of the reason why this one goes so well with prophecy girl is because we get the hints uh of what's coming up right we get buffy's nightmare and her um, nightmare confrontation with the master and being turned into um, a vampire and and so we get sort of a premonition or a prelude or whatever you want to call it uh to what's coming up in prophecy girl so i think i think these are kind of in a way flip sides of the same coin even though this one has more of a monster of the week feel to it mm-hmm. um certainly certainly you get all of those sort of hints um and i just I, I don't know i mean i like it too because i think i said at the time when we we're talking about the episode i like the structure of the story does a great job of focusing equal on multiple characters, right? We get Xander, we get Willow uh, in yeah. addition to Buffy, we get Giles's nightmares. Like we get character development of all the major characters. We get even Cordelia, um, you know, and, and some of her, <laughs> um, more humorous, uh, perhaps, yeah. uh, things that she fears, but, uh, no, I, overall I just I just really liked it for those for those reasons because we get all of that character development. I think it's well-rounded and and we get sort of those hints of the deeper mythology that are to come. So that that's my um that's my pick for my favorite.
1: Yeah. Uh, and right, I mean, so. I said it was for me the scariest and I love a good scare.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It yeah, and it's it's scary in in that you know, obviously there's a few places where you might jump the first time you see it, but it's, we talked about, I think, I think this is where we talked about, um, CS Lewis and, and sort of the surprisingness yeah. and, and, yeah. and all of that. Like you get, you get the really tense feeling. Um, I always think, <laughs> I always think about Xander whenever I think about this episode and reaching for the stupid chocolate bar. And it's like, no dude, you yeah. know, this trail of chocolate is not going to end up in a yeah. good place for you. You know what's going on. You should have, but, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah but and that and that clown.
0: That yeah, the like clown.
1: The moment, you know, of the episode that yeah, the clown is horrific <laughs> and that he turns around and clobbers it. Like yeah. it just had really great memorable moments and nice mm-hmm. reversals and mm-hmm. both satisfying the expectations of oh, we're in a episode about nightmares, what do we expect to see? So you see all the dreams that you have had, like being late for the test or whatever yeah. you know but then it also turns some of those on their head you know yeah. and does unexpected things with them
0: well and and even like again with the master and and ta- his whole sort of monologuing about fear and how it's the most mm-hmm. powerful force in the human world um but then you know turning that around and and um you know if i can face my fear it cannot master me but but the the multiple times where that sort of gets turned around on, on the different characters, including the master himself. And um, ultimately. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so speaking of Xander and, and his desire for chocolatey candies and then his, you know, immediate visceral, you know, punching of the, the, um, clown in the face. Um, of course that leads right into discussion of Xander as the body, which is your, 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 uh, mention of the triptych and and so I wanted to talk a little he bit. He would about be tempted
1: that. by chocolate, wouldn't he? Yeah, you?
0: he would be. And well <laughs> he would be tempted by chocolate and he would be just as susceptible it seems to merely turning around and not thinking about the fact that he's going to punch his fear in the yeah. face. Yeah. You know, no, like he, that, that
1: impulsiveness. Yeah, yeah.
0: He, he's not stopping to think about, well, no, you know, actually if I face my fear, then it might yeah, not he's be, a creature, you
1: know. he's a creature of the moment yeah, and of it's, instinct. It's yeah. the,
0: wait a minute, I'm not six years old anymore. I can actually turn around and punch yeah. you in the nose and that'll yeah. be okay. And yeah. like it, there's, yeah, there's not really a lot of um, intellectual thought behind it. It's just, it feels like the right thing to do. So he does it. Um, but I wanted to definitely bring this up in sort of our recap here because I, w- I wanted to get what your assessment was. Since you brought this up right at the beginning of the first episode, um, our discussion on on you know the characters and, and how you sort of saw these roles playing out, what did you – what do you think? After season one, does your soul triptych idea hold up, do you think? And then I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to share my thoughts too, of course. But um. I
1: think it does um okay well where, i'll share my I'm thoughts sitting. now I, I think it does too i <laughs> okay good <laughs> I,
0: I, i'm actually i was actually and it was i remember thinking at the time like as soon as you said it back in episode one and of course i didn't want to give away too much at that point I, yeah. I, I I thought wow like that's actually really a good assessment um yeah so, so yeah so yeah
1: and I, I mean i know we have many more seasons yet to yet to go um but yeah, I mean, I think everyone, and especially I think the thing that's key to it is it's not just about, um. well, Buffy's the heart, so she only can act this way, and Willow's the mind, so she can only act this way. You know, I think that could get very formulaic, but I think what is um, really nice about it when it's well done mm-hmm. is that um, it's really about the teamwork. You know, what it really tells you is not so much like, I mean, some of it is this, like it's not, it's more than just them conforming to type. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about when that it it is to me, the nuance of it is when they're working as the team and -hmm. when they come together, that's when you really feel like they're a unit and they're, um, and they're kind of that's when they're going to be able to overcome anything, you know, like, well, and that's yeah. like, that's the useful part of the metaphor is that it's about them helping each other and supplementing each other and having different strengths and weaknesses and skill sets and, and interactions and everything. So, um, and, and that I think has been really um, it's, and so it's not just, Oh, Buffy or, or Willow's the smart one. And she looks things up in books. It's like, no, when Willow's at her strongest, she's contributing in a certain way, um, yeah. and and they compensate for each other, and they look out for each other, and work together. So, and I think they've done that. And the episodes where they've really been a really unified team um, have been where they are very in sync and very mm-hmm. um, sort of unified and together in that yeah. way. Yeah.
0: Well, and and I was gonna say, I think the the interesting aspect to it is well, it's sort of the opposite side of the coin from what you're saying is, is where does that break down? Where does, you know, where, mm-hmm. where are the points where maybe they don't, um, you know, work in, in sort of, I, I want to be careful. Cause I, like you, I don't want to say like they have this specific role to play and they can only play that role because yeah. obviously you want characters to grow and develop and, and become yeah. well-rounded individuals. But at the same time, part of becoming that well-rounded individual is recognizing what your own strengths are and becoming comfortable with what your strengths and, and talents and um, skills are. So it's, you know, from, from like a Buffy perspective, I think just like we're talking about in, in Prophecy Girl, like by the, by the end of that episode, she's not whining about not being able to be a teenage girl anymore. Right. I mean, And that's not to say the desire isn't there or that she can't still experience normal teenage human emotion, Mm -hmm. but it's coming to a comfortable, uh, a comfortable uh, understanding of who you are and, and you know, not like, again, I don't want it to be like, Oh, you know, don't, fight against fate because there's sometimes you don't know what's fate and what isn't fate. And and there is value in sort of fighting against things that seem inevitable, but it's also about understanding your own capabilities and your own purpose and not, I don't mean purpose even in like sort of a mystical divine sort of way, but purpose in a way that like you see it, you know, the the purpose that you kind of create for yourself, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, Even,
0: even, Amongst these sort of centuries-old prophecies and all of that kind of stuff, it's it's not until Buffy kind of says, "No, I am the right one to fight," mm-hmm. despite this prophecy, because of this prophecy, um, you know, all of the above and everything in between. Like it's not,
1: and she and that she realizes that again by following her an instinct. So it's not like I'm the one to fight the master just because the book says it is, but because she has that conversation with Willow and it's her love for her friend that says, I'm the one who can deal, I'm the only one who can deal with the problem and it's my job to do that. And Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have made that decision if it wasn't for this emotional connection to Willow. Mm -hmm. You know, so she needs to come to these decisions through her own intuition. Right. You know, Rather than anything else. And I think, like, I mean, I think the other fun thing about it is that, like, that thing with Xander and the clown is a really good metaphor for that. Because it's not, I like that each of them with their sort of parts, it's not always um, a virtue or a vice. It can be both, you know, so Xander in the pack, we're seeing the really negative aspects of the body character and and his a sort of unbridled desire let loose you know without self-control but then you get something like in nightmares the fact that he is really the only one to really you know impulsively but it was the right thing for him to just say you know what this is stupid i don't need to run away from this and confronts his fear head on without overthinking it he just does you know takes action and does the right thing so you get, like, through those contrasts, you get the good and the negative side of the character.
0: Right. So it right. makes
1: for a really, you know, gray characterization. Like, and I don't mean gray like, I mean, I think clearly Xander's a good guy, but he's mm-hmm. flawed too, you know, and his flaws are specific to him, and he's flawed in a different way that than Willow is flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he can also contribute in ways that she can't. So I think it kind of... Um, it really helps with, like, all the interactions to kind of... It makes for, like, really clear, specific characterization, I think. Yeah. makes them very distinct and understandable, and you feel like if you do it in the right way that isn't cardboard, I feel like it makes them come to life a little bit.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and, and it's... And again, I think it's because it is about them discovering what their own role is and again it's not because it's a role that's defined for them but it's because kind of like what you're implying i think the the role that they're most comfortable in and the role that allows them to make the most use of their own talents and, and yeah con- and contribute in that way yeah. it's yeah, yeah it's so you know again sort of using the metaphors of of the body and the heart and the mind uh you know it's like, yeah, the brain kind of controls stuff, but the brain's not trying to pump blood right it's yeah, it's you know the heart that's trying to pump blood, and you know so anyway it's it, yeah there's there's different functions, and that's not to say that like they can only do those things all the time or that we won't ever see them having to step into other roles, but it's it's understanding and and sort of you know coming coming of age you know and and learning mm-hmm. about what your own um Uh, what your own abilities are and also what your own extents are. Um, And that's a
1: really nice metaphor for certain, you know, that age group, Mm -hmm. you know, that is that, that teenage time is so much about understanding and finding yourself and learning who you are and what you're about and what you can do and what interests you and everything.
0: I I think, too, so um, just sort of looking at it again and and sort of the whole seasonal arc, I I like the way that it rounds out. um, So you already sort of brought up, you know, Buffy helping out Willow, you know, and having that discussion and that being the motivator, you know, going right back to the first episode of the season Mm -hmm. where, you know, again, it's not until she sees Willow that she... Is, you know, recognizing that, um, oh, she needs to go and do something about this vampire dressed in 70s, you know, fashion. Um, yeah. Likewise, you know, again, we get Xander, who in episode two went and followed Buffy to rescue his friend Jesse. Right. So he's going down into the catacombs there. Well, what's mm-hmm. he do again this time? He goes yeah. and finds Angel to help him go down into the catacombs. to Yeah, are this are nice yeah. to, to To this time help Buffy. And and so for all three of them, then you know Willow, yeah, she's kind of put in the maiden in distress role both times. Although this, I mean, this time it's not her directly who's, um, you know, prophecy girl. She's not the one direct directly being threatened, but in a way she is because she's the you know if she expresses to Buffy. It's not it's not just the fact that I saw these dead bodies, but it's that the vampires came to where we are. It's it's our place. It's our room. I go to that room every day, you know, and now yeah. they've attacked us here. So even though it's not her directly who's threatened at that particular moment, it is her life, her lifestyle. And yeah. and you know an invasion of of Willow's life that really um is what prompts Buffy to act. And and again, you know, with Xander being that impulsive you know mm-hmm. i mean facing angel you know directly and saying i hate you but i know buffy likes you so you know come help me <laughs> you'll yeah. find out uh where she is like i just i i think yeah it's a really great um it's interesting because it it, it points to you know again that they're not it, like they they've definitely all grown and become again more comfortable in their roles but it's it's all stuff that was there right from the beginning. It's not like, it's not like they've turned into completely different people. No, it's, it's that now they really are starting to understand what they can do when they work together. Well, and of course, Buffy goes off. So, I mean, maybe she should still have some work, (laughs) you know, and learning about how to work with the team, but it's, it is, um, she's doing it for the team, for her friends, for, you know, whatever, like the motivation there, um, has grown. Uh, and, and her own
1: solid. and her own sense of her duty as the Slayer, mm-hmm. um, very different to where she started.
0: Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So I, you know, I guess end of season one. Are thumbs up? We're thumbs we're up. Gonna keep th- <laughs> keep keeping on, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, like this is like the first episode again where it's like. Good thing we both like it because otherwise
0: <laughs> this would be an
1: abrupt end to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah but exactly. No.
1: Enthusiastic uh, thumbs up.
0: All right. <laughs> so now we get to recap Dr. Who season one. And yeah. I'm, so I'll start out with my favorite episode and actually it's not an episode, but a pair of episodes. Um, cause we had a couple of these two parters and, and I'm picking out the empty child and the doctor dances, um, as as my favorite uh storyline, um, the two of them together. Uh one, I guess uh kind of kind of echoing what you 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 were saying before about Buffy episodes. Uh, I these are certainly well the empty child certainly seemed the creepiest and I, I mentioned mm-hmm. that at the time and, and after watching you know the few episodes after these two I, I stick by Still that feel assessment, that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like definitely these these seem the creepiest to me, um, I think so, so it's got it's got that going for it. um but so where the empty child is the creepiest and and where but I also like that where the doctor dances ends up. It it just, I mean, it's, it's got that turnaround and just, it's also got the euphoric, right? It's, it's, it's got both chocolate and peanut butter in there. So yeah. like you just, you know, the sweet and the savory, um, yeah. it, 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 you know, delicious
1: it, blend. Of it, <laughs> it, things. It, yeah, yeah. It's
0: just, it's just good all over. Um, <clears throat> and, and of course that euphoric, this, this one time everybody lives, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just, that's such a great moment that we get there. So, um, that, that was my pick. Um, and of course, for the introduction of Captain Jack Harkness. Yeah. Uh,
1: a favorite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad I, you like him. I, I still at the end of the season. <laughs> so we, he misses the TARDIS. They leave. With he misses Auto. the
1: boat. Yeah. Oh,
0: I I'm so frustrated by that, but we, but we're not yeah. talking about that. We're talking about the introduction of him and, and, um, i like i like his his character changes throughout that episode, so mm-hmm. i mean um obviously i I suspect we'll see more of him at some point i'm I'm assuming he's not just left on the space station for the rest of eternity but mm-hmm. um yeah hopefully uh hopefully we'll see more of him and and i like I like the way that he turns around he's he seems like a good guy who who was in bad circumstances um certainly was yeah. a likable guy
1: yeah. sort
0: of sort of roguish and Spock, but uh yeah he, he he he's a good character, so lots of good things in both of those episodes,
1: yeah um, i'm yeah i'm I'm totally with you on that I mean Moffat Moffat, Moffat what what can one <laughs> one can't say too much about Moffat, um and I think I think I've said this to you, I don't know that I've said this on the podcast, you know, I think. It becomes a slightly different thing when Moffat becomes the head writer you know mm-hmm. I think you see new I think the sh- being the showrunner brings out different aspects of you as a writer um, so it brought into the conversation um, enormously but um, for the years uh, when the show was on that he was just sort of a guest writer doing his episode or two per season um, they're really. Ugh, they're always the standout. Um, certainly, yeah. you know, in in the top, you know, in almost any. I I'd be really surprised if you know his single episodes didn't make it on everyone's top episodes. You know, in in the top five or two or one of the season. You know, um, and I think it is that chocolate and peanut butter. It's that mix, and that's really. I mean, I think that's distinctive. I think that's a trademark of Doctor Who, um, okay. that, that mix of fear and drama and laughter and silliness yeah. and all that stuff, but he really just nails that blend of things, that tonally disparate, but it, it feels so, the pieces feel so different, but they work together and just dance so beautifully
0: yeah well and i was just thinking about that because that's interesting now and and comparing it to my favorite episode of buffy season one Mm -hmm. nightmares i i think for many of the same reasons one i just think together the two episodes make a good story overall but i also think because you get that mix of really great character development by all of them you get i mean you get and i think we even talked about the time like we don't get a lot from rose there right i mean a lot of the episode, she seems either like enthralled by Jack, or like
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> more enthralled by Jack. Like <laughs> that seems most of the episode <laughs> yeah. that she that she seems and 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 but like she is totally she is working the companion angle at while firing all pistons for a mixed metaphor there. Like I I just yeah like like she you know she's asking questions and making you know side comments and and whatever that. Work to really point at the doctor, but also you know to contrast with Jack, mm-hmm. um, which which seems at that point obviously Jack's role. And we talked about how different the doctor and Jack seem, but then Rose's revelation that the reason she likes Jack so much is because he yeah. reminds her of the and, doctor, and and
1: just the irony of bringing in this sort of attractive third party, mm-hmm. you know, who she is very drawn to initially. By the end of it, it becomes this little thing between the Doctor and Rose. Like, the further you get into the Doctor dances, it's really about what were the two of you talking about? We were talking about <laughs> dancing. And, and it didn't you know, feel like
0: dancing. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> and so, the
1: way that, like, yeah. introducing the way that that character brought out this new side of the main characters mm-hmm. that wasn't, it, you know, it brings it more to the surface.
0: Right. Right. Um, right. right.
1: And I mean, I'm with the, the ending. I just love that ending of the of his just joy for the last five minutes because you really you rarely see the doctor like that especially the Christopher Eccleston doctor um so just to have like a solid five minutes of him everything's just coming up doctor and he's (laughs) like having a great time he cures everybody he fixes the problem you think Jack's going to die, but no, he saves Jack too. And he invites him into the TARDIS and we're going to have a big, you know, uh, swing dance party. And then he remembers
0: it. how to dance. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and just like, I just love that image of them dancing to old timey music in the TARDIS. Like it's just so bizarre. Like certainly well, when I started watching, I didn't expect that um yeah, and yeah. it just del- it's delightful and, that and even the choice of music
0: there. and the, yeah <laughs> the, the the difference between the music that the doctor dances to versus the music that jack dances to right like the yeah. you know the the, the yeah, whole right. oh oh that's our song and it's this you yeah. know Smooth,
1: yeah whatever yeah yeah. yeah
0: yeah 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 it's 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 very jack but it's you know the doctor's like oh wait no this is my music this is you know the the Bopping, you know, yeah. swinging, you know, big band stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. that's where I'm at, and yeah. and and it's like as soon as that comes up, he remembers. Like that's yeah. Yeah. that's how he dances. Not yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I I think excellent choice. Um, thank you. I may even have to objectively agree with you on that. Um, like if I could put an episode in the vault of from the season, it would probably be those, but. For the sake of variety, since we want to, you know, cover as many bases for these retrospectives, I'm going to pick something else um, mm-hmm. for my pick. And it's, you know, one that I'm very happy to pick, because I think it's really excellent, um, which is Father's Day. um, And it's funny that you said that there are aspects of the empty child that remind you of nightmares, that there's almost similar... Things that are being done. I think there are some similarities between Father's Day and Prophecy Girl for me about what's appealing. Like, when I think about why that episode is as powerful, it is because it is very, very personal to the characters Mm. in a way that it hadn't been before. And I mean, and again, just like Buffy, you're surrounded by death and you're surrounded by tragedy and everything, but not necessarily in such a personal, personal way, as in that episode. And, you know, and again, something unexpected, you know, to to have so many weeks of you know, alien threat, alien planet, the -hmm. future somewhere else, it's never it's never really you know, home and our past and our personal, you know, um, regrets that we're dealing with. And then all of a sudden, there's just this episode which is just so much about, you know, Rose trying to fix this aspect of her life um, that shouldn't have gone the way it did. And, of course, botching it up and making it worse. Um, It seems, although what I love about it is that it has that you catastrophic element that even though it ends tragically all over again, you do get the sense that as much as it was a mistake and as much as it, you know, she, um, was a stupid ape and made a mess of things. She still, (laughs) there was a net benefit and a, and a good, you know, good did come out of bad. And Pete was able to become this amazing dad that she thought he always was. Um, So you get that mix of the happy and the sad, which is so nice. Yeah, yeah. And I just really, I mean, like, just to, maybe we can talk about this when we start talking about the characters, but um, I just really, the first time I watched this season, my big impression coming out of season one was of Rose. Um, Hmm. And I don't really remember exactly what I was expecting, but I wasn't. I was not expecting um, and why I don't know um, to get as emotionally involved in the journey of the companion and to kind of see, you know, and I think I did expect something a little bit more just about the adventure and more superficial and going from, you know, monster of the week and story of the week. Mm -hmm. But, um, but to get these stories where you really feel like, I don't know to me she's like the she does what the companion is designed to designed to do the best which is just you feel like you identify with her and she's the vehicle for us Um, and she's such a every person Um, you know so I don't know I was just really impressed with the journey of that character and then I think that really is highlighted in this episode
0: yeah. No. Well, and and I think that's that's interesting. The I think you're right. So it, it, especially in light of, and I think we can just start talking about start talking the about characters. Rose. Yeah, we'll talk talking about her because I think that Father's Day is a very important um, episode, not just because it kind of gives you insight into Rose's past, but also into what then becomes her future. Right. And mm-hmm. and you know it's her it's that episode is how she convinces Jackie to help her when yeah, she's trying to get yeah. back to the doctor yeah. right it's it's and it's, and
1: we talked about in the in our discussion of the finale the parallel between her refusing her whole motivation being not wanting to leave Pete to die by
0: mm-hmm. himself
1: that she mm-hmm. has to be there for him and be there with him and that's exactly how she feels about the doctor at yeah, the end. Even, so also even foreshadowing. More so, it seems yeah yeah so also foreshadowing in that way
0: yeah yeah exactly and and it and it you know obviously changes how Jackie views Rose too right because she spent so much time trying to be sort of in denial of Pete and and how he was and makes her see that no actually Rose is just like him in many ways and mm-hmm. and uh helps her to understand better who rose is and i and of course i think helps us to understand better who rose is and and her motivations um and that sort of thing so yeah no i think i think it's a great episode um so, which is sort of ruminating actually i'm interesting that neither of us picked the finale um yeah but uh you know not to say that it was bad but i think i think if anything like it the finale in this case versus Prophecy Girl, I think where, where maybe, you know, we've called out so many uh, commonalities between these two shows in the first seasons. But I think one of the distinctions is um, the, the, the end of Dr. Who season one seems more like a culmination. Whereas Mm -hmm. Prophecy Girl doesn't seem like a culmination. It seems like, Like we were talking about, it seems like an ending, and Mm -hmm. and I was I was trying to think about this because like even though the doctor dies or regenerates or whatever, um, like you don't get the same feeling as when Buffy dies and comes back. Like it's it's a very you know, like we were just talking about, like Buffy kind of she dies and comes back, and it feels like like there's been a moving on and left behind. But and and not to say that. The doctor isn't like moving on being left behind. i mean we'll talk about that in um you know season two and kind of the differences and stuff there i don't want to like compare a lot of that um partly because i can't really at this point but it feels like it feels like a proper ending to a journey in a way for rose like it it, it doesn't feel like um i don't i i'm trying to i'm trying to say exactly what I mean here but
1: so yeah, I'm not quite sure because it feels. You said it feels like an end to her journey, but also you said that Buffy has felt like more of an ending. So,
0: well, what do you? Uh, 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 and, and like, so again, like a culmination for Rose in that, like,
1: hmm,
0: well, so if and so if you're comparing Buffy and the Doctor together, yeah, the like. Buffy's death and resurrection like Buffy it feels like again that she left something behind but the doctor it's the it's the moving forward right and yeah. I, I, like I read, like this is like I'm and okay. maybe I'm okay. splitting hairs like no 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 no
1: no okay it, like like I, I'm
0: just thinking I, I think this it's just through. that I, I'm just thinking of that focus and and yeah and I I apologize this is not something that I've like thought through and created a real well, thesis on or anything, but
1: I haven't either. So let tell me if you think this sounds right. Um mm-hmm. And we'll try not to go too much. We have watched a couple episodes into the second season. So we'll try not to give too much away with, you know, yeah, how far we've and, gone. And I'm trying um,
0: to stick to even just like my feelings at the end of like doctor who it, it felt like something good was coming to an end. And I know I've used like the same explanation for Buffy, but it's, 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 it's different in that. Here's
1: my, here's my contrast. So tell me Mm -hmm. if you think this sounds right or not. Buffy felt to me a little bit like she lost, she left something behind in the sense that she lost something. Mm -hmm. And it's like she, in, in a, in a, in a bad way. Like, you know, and I'm not saying like, I don't know where that goes, if that means anything in particular, but like there was a, a piece of her which was an lost innocence and coming almost, back. Or, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So,
1: whereas the doctor, it feels to me more like putting something to rest in a mm. more positive way. And losing mm. something, but in the sense of losing baggage and like a catharsis. And like um, maybe something that it was better to have put down. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah, I don't, I, and
1: like there I don't is know. a, a I don't change <laughs> and a loss, but the quality is different. Yeah, and I'm exactly. Trying to characterize and and it. I
0: think that that's part of what I'm trying to—that's what I'm struggling to sort of define here, because I they're so similar, and there's but there's just this this small variation and 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 how things are, are are moving on here that I just I feel like i don't know i maybe i just need to think more about it (laughs) and and see you know where we go in 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 seasons two. but um like if i could put it in terms of like a race Mm -hmm. like i would say like the doctor is running on like a circular course Mm -hmm. whereas like buffy is running you know like on a straight course and she's come to like an end point and is just kind of keep going. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so she's past the finish line where's the doctor, you know, he's run around the track and the finish line is the start line. Like he's back to the kind of the beginning and not to say that there's no character development or wh- whatever, but like, you know, we're starting in a new place, but it's also kind of the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And maybe that's, maybe that's just the difference between what a regeneration is versus. Yeah. A right.
1: Whereas Buffy you know, is running a linear, lifeline you know from point a to point z you know whereas the doctor there is in theory no end point for him so the regeneration is a death but it's also a birth and a renewal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's the way in which i feel like it's um it's less of a loss in the sense of having lost a bit of yourself it's more of a um I don't know. It feels more positive to me in a way. Like he feels, and I think Buffy like accepted her fate, but she also seems still sort of upset when she wakes up. Whereas the doctor, it's like, as he's starting to regenerate and he's starting to glow and when he's talking to Rose and telling her she's fantastic and everything, Mm -hmm. you feel like he's sad, but he's also happy at the same time. Right. You know, like there's a,
0: it's good to have been, it's, you know, yeah, what they yeah. went through. Whereas with, and he's, yeah, and with he's Buffy, it's definitely it, a loss. And
1: you can see that it's, you know, you're fantastic. And isn't it great that like, I'm happy to have done this for you? And, you know, like...
0: But uh, and, what, and also what for a, himself.
1: What a good way to go out, kind of. Yeah. You know, like he goes out on a note of triumph.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So And that, to me, feels more has more of a positive feel to it. It's a happier thing, even in the midst of the sadness of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, as long as we're gonna start talking about like character trajectories, I mean, we can talk about the Doctor and it's a little hard to talk about the ninth Doctor because if we've only seen the one Doctor, there really is no ninth doctor, it's just the Doctor and this is all we know right, of him. Right, but right, right. you know, if I'm I think, I think the time war will continue to be a huge point for every doctor from now on. You know, okay. I don't think there's any doctor that isn't going to be confronted with that. It's such a huge part and of the yeah, mythology. It makes,
0: makes sense. Like you would almost expect that. Yeah. He, just,
1: exactly. Just it, like yeah. you
0: might expect Buffy to continue being haunted by the Master, even though yeah, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and it's not like when or, we get or
0: fallout from. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and
1: it's not, and it didn't, It I guess it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I guess you could do it that a new doctor maybe doesn't care about Time War. I mean, I think that would be kind of a stupid way to do the story, but you could and do it, it that way. It wouldn't
0: make sense, yeah, because, no. like, he still has his memories of Yeah, exactly. But... So
1: so I'm not saying the Time War, you know, is specific to this doctor, but in some ways it is because he's the first one, because he's... Whatever he experienced, he's fresh out of it. He's the most recent; that experience is very fresh and alive for him. So I think a lot. I think part of that burden that he's putting down in a good way is is the very um, recent sort of grief and guilt over the Time War. Um and like the fact that it ends with Rose right right sort of her,
0: her big declaration finishing the time it war and ends. Yeah,
1: yeah the time war ends and that he does get to remake that decision to um to save Earth rather than to wipe out Daleks and humans together he so he gets to sort of redeem himself in that way and mm. and not undo the choice that he made but maybe make a different choice that he feels. Um, better yeah. about making, um, okay. and then gets to if you, if you're gonna die, why not die self-sacrificially for somebody that you care about? You know, it's a good, it's a, I th- and so I think his character trajectory is upward. You know, it starts at a low point and, and only ascends as the season goes on. And there's little dips like Dalek, where you see this anger and fear that's lurking underneath. He still has that, hmm. but. I think we've talked a lot about Rose and her humanizing effect, and I think this the the trend of season one, and since it's the ninth doctor's only season, the trend of his character is is an upward one, and it's about starting from a point of loneliness and pain and misery into someone more whole and someone happier. And someone with people around him that he cares about and relies on.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I was going to mention this before. I don't know that I ever had the chance, but Russell Davies, um, you know, talking about, you know, because the doctors are also different, the way they look and the way they act and even what they wear says so much about them. Um, so like with Christopher Eccleston, Russell Davies talking about what that leather jacket means and that, he, it's this tough, hard exterior, and it starts out very, you know, the way Davies said it was like that he strides around saying, don't touch me, you know, that mm. he's not looking for a companion, and he's not looking to have a relationship. Um, but I don't think he feels that way at the end of the season. So you see that... Sure. That positive influence. Yeah. Um, no, I mean he, I think it's a really nice character arc. Yeah.
0: No, he doesn't feel that way, it definitely seems and and yeah. like he says, it's been fantastic. Like he's not only does he not feel that way, he feels the opposite <laughs> yeah. you know, of the hard the exterior not wanting someone. He's he's glad to have like you said, it it, it was good to have been and, and it it uh yeah.
1: And some of that, like, even the way he says, you were fantastic, and you know what, so was I. That, like, some of that (laughs) self-loathing, that he can even feel good about himself and, you know, his decisions at the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good. Wow.
1: Any other, what, well, I mean, real quick before we go, did you, I mean, I did a lot of the talking there. What was your impression of? The doctor I don't, overall, um, yeah, no, I, big takeaways from the first season or,
0: I mean, I think you've said a lot of what I would have said. Um, I think with regard to the doctor, like, and again, it's, he's my first doctor, he's my doctor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's the doctor I was introduced to. Um, and well, and I guess the doctor you were introduced to, right? Cause you didn't really, um, yeah. watch yeah. the old, older episodes. So, um, you know, I guess at this point, yeah, like I don't, I don't have a lot to compare it to, but I guess, so we, we did talk, I know I'm going to bring up the goofiness again. Uh (laughs) So like we did talk a lot sort of in the first episode, how my first impression of him was the goofiness. And, and at this point, I guess I can say like, I understand, you know, why people maybe have seen him as a more serious doctor, but, um, I don't know, just like even with that at the end, you know, you were fantastic, and hey, so was I. Like, you you still kind of get that reminiscent of where he's bopping around in the first episode and and just kind of, like, saying, yeah, this situation obviously is way more serious and dire by this point. And obviously, when he's saying that, he knows he's going to be not coming back in, in you know, the way that Rose is used to seeing him and and that we're used to seeing him at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I still sort of I I see where where you can get to that point, like, you know, that that he can be remembered as a more serious guy because he has that um, sort of the underlying like you were talking about, the underlying guilt and responsibility for what happened during the time war. But, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure we don't lose that that idea that you know it's always sort of been there like you, you know the, the 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 fun loving the mm-hmm. let's just go and see what happens and mm-hmm. yeah sometimes what happens is really crappy and and like you know sometimes it dredges up a whole lot of you know undealt with things but yeah. but you know um all in all it was it was fantastic yeah so, and he's yeah. still
1: i mean and that's i mean that's really the doctor, even the serious doctor is not too serious, you know, like it's a sliding scale and he, yeah,
0: seriousness. I mean, the, the, well, yeah, you mentioned the episode Dalek. I mean, that's the most serious that he seems to get um, in this, in the series, I would say Uh, maybe a few moments in the finale too, where he gets really, you know, pretty serious, obviously, but um, yeah, I mean, he can be pretty intense, you know, I mean, he can be a pretty intense guy with regard to the darkness that is in him. I don't want to deny that either, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's good. I liked him. Good. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that any of that was particularly insightful or anything. I just, (laughs) I, yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked it. I, I mean, I didn't I didn't know that Christopher Exton was only in one season. So I was yeah. sort of surprised um yeah. when when I realized and, and I think we talked about this a little bit um in the episode itself, but I, I was a little surprised like to find um and, and I was realizing it as it was happening. So I, I didn't I didn't really catch on to the fact until right at the end that that he was gonna be regenerating. Um,
1: yeah.
0: so that surprised me a bit, but um, yeah you know it is what it is and and we'll we'll move on and see how the new doctor holds up
1: mm-hmm
0: so those are those are my thoughts um anything else you want to say about doctor who or or even Buffy or kind of both of them together
1: uh i don't I think I said everything that I meant to say i mean okay I enjoyed. Both seasons, I've enjoyed all our discussions. I'm happy with the way this is going. Hope nice. everyone else is too.
0: Yes, indeed. So then I think we'll call this a wrap. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, thank you for listening, especially to this special episode. I don't know. Uh, the the seasons won't sync up like this ever again. So <laughs> yeah. talk, talking about things ending. And, and I don't know that we'll have necessarily the same opportunities to point out the um, similarities and, and parallels in the same way, so I sort of want to say like it's just been really fun with these first two seasons with with these first first seasons yeah. um you know the the really surprising way that they've they've really held up um it'll it will be interesting to see when and how we can find those parallels again and and I'm not saying we definitely won't find them mm-hmm. um, I suspect that they won't be as closely aligned as they were in these first seasons, so yeah, really, really cool that it worked out this way. Um, but I think um, we'll probably be doing some of these recaps again as we come to the end of the various seasons, although they won't probably sync up in this way quite again. So ah, that's maybe a shame, but we'll move on and we'll take it and see how it how it goes. Yeah. So Sounds thank good. you, thank you for listening, and we'll we'll talk to you soon.
1: See you then. I'm <laughs> to